Yeah, g'day, mate. You're listening to a Radio 191 FM podcast. I am on Zoom with Janet Hook. How are you, Janet? Kia I'm fine, thank you. So we will be discussing the vaping, I guess, laws for Aotearoa New Zealand and how it seems as if there hasn't really been enough done to prevent New Zealand's vaping problems, especially as it seems to be more endemic with our younger teenagers under 18s. So I suppose for some context, what are the current policies in place to, I guess, reduce vaping in the population? Well, I think, um, first of all, it's really important to recognise that um, vaping could be a useful thing for people who smoke and who haven't been able to quit using any of the traditional methods Mm -hmm. like nicotine replacement treatment. So we need to recognise that we do need a pathway so that those people might be able to access vaping products. But we also need to make sure that that pathway isn't so broad that a whole lot of our rangatahi who've never previously smoked take up vaping. So the legislation was designed really to try and make it easy for people who smoke to get access to vaping products. Mm -hmm. And essentially all it did was to differentiate between convenience stores like dairies, service stations, supermarkets. They're only allowed to sell three flavours of e-liquids, that's tobacco, menthol and mint, and then specialist vape stores which are R18 and they can can sell the full flavour range. The, the government recognised that that had uh, not sufficiently protected rangatahi and mm-hmm. they, they have announced some new measures which are going to come into effect in August, so very soon. And those measures will see a limit on specialist vape stores uh, being able to operate within 300 metres of a school. Mm-hmm. There will be some restrictions on the kind of youth appealing flavour names that are used and um, there are some uh, regulations around disposable vapes uh, needing to have removable batteries. Um, so that's where we are at the moment and we will be shortly and at the moment are there any I suppose loopholes or ways around uh, companies or especially like dairies and such is there any way around these regulations because I feel like from my personal experience I've seen some dairies open up specialist vape stores right next to them and they see it as a way to get around it whereas they're still making the same profit except that they can now is there are these the type of things that we are seeing from um, shops as well to try and get around the regulations at the moment? Yeah, I mean, the unfortunate thing is, you say, we've seen a lot of these, what we describe as stores within a store that are either located within the footprint of a dairy or immediately mm-hmm. adjacent to it. Um, and they've set up, they've gained approval of specialist vape stores and they're able to sell the full flavour range. Now, many of these don't have a full-time staff member. They have people moving between the dairy part of the store and the mm-hmm. vape store part of the store. Um, so it's difficult to police the R18 policy. We've heard anecdotal reports of sales to young people um, who don't meet the R18 threshold. And of course, many of the products are displayed in a way that make them clearly visible to young mm. people who are going into dairies. So we see this store within a store operation. Um, you know, it's both a very cynical move and also one that uh, circumvents the regulations designed to try and protect young people. 
We know that uh, that the measures that are coming into effect in August will offer some protection because specialist vape stores won't be able to set up within 300 metres of a, a school or a marae. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it's only prospective. So the, the regulations are going to do nothing to change what is already occurring. Um, and that's a major problem. And is there a, has there been a distinction made between perhaps cracking down a lot on disposable vapes as compared to refillable vapes as well? Because it seems like there seems to be a big distinction because disposable vapes are much easier to obtain. Yeah, I mean, the the new regulations are going to require disposable vapes to have removable batteries, um, Mm -hmm. which many of them don't have. But you can go to most major vape stores online sites and find that actually they're already making available disposable Mm -hmm. vapes with removable batteries. So unfortunately, that regulation has been circumvented before it's even come into effect Mm -hmm. and a much more straightforward approach would have been to say there are many reasons why we don't want disposable vapes they're very cheap very appealing to young people um they're appalling for the environment and i think most importantly if we think about people who smoke if someone is smoking and they want to transition to vaping they will need a vape that's able to be refilled and Mm -hmm. sustain them over a period of weeks and months and a disposable vape is just not the right product for those people so it's not doing a service to people who smoke and it's creating real harm to young people who don't and has there been any i suppose focus on university students as well because i also feel like they are particularly vulnerable as well to vaping especially ones who've come out of high school and maybe aren't experienced to vaping a lot of them vape due to the easy access of it i suppose it's quite an easy alternative especially to smoking as well has there been any thought about university age students like young adults yeah, I mean, quite a lot of the work that um, my research centre has has done, um, and this is not just me, there are many people working in this area, uh, has looked at, at young adults. Uh, a real challenge, of course, is that um, vaping products sold through specialist vape stores mm-hmm. are 18, and so many university students meet that age threshold. Um, I think what we need to do is to take a more holistic approach. Um, the young people who we've talk to, they will talk about vaping as being um, something that facilitates social interactions Mm -hmm. but more and more what we're hearing is that many people will use vaping as a kind of self-medication a way to deal with anxiety and stress and I think here we can look at ways in which we can offer young people um, more meaningful approaches to dealing with stress and anxiety and maintaining their mental well-being than having to resort to nicotine. So I think um, that is certainly an area that needs a lot more work done. And I suppose going from that, and as a final question, what are more of the type of policies you would like to see going forward for vaping? I believe there was something mentioned, I think you've mentioned it um, briefly, is the sinking lid policy? Yeah, I mean, what we, we know that um, over the next couple of years, we're going to see these really profound and transformational policies brought in to reduce smoking. So smoke tobacco products will no longer have nicotine in mm-hmm. them. And we know that modelling suggests that the number of people who smoke is going to fall really dramatically. So we think that if the number of people who smoke uh, falls, then we'll need fewer um 
people relying on on vaping and the number of outlets selling smoked tobacco products is also going to fall from around 6,000 to just mm-hmm. 600. We should be looking very carefully to make sure that the number of smoked tobacco stores and the number of vape stores declines as smoking prevalence declines and people no longer need vaping products. Yeah, now, Seeds, that was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more of them at r1.co.nz forward slash podcast.